All right. Welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Dr. Vikram Rai. And today I have my good friend, Dan Hanford. Dan, welcome to the show, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to sharing with the audience here. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to uplevel their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. Guys, Dan is a walking legend. This guy is a medical entrepreneur. He's a chiropractor by training, practiced for a couple of years, Had still has successful clinics. Is that correct, Dan? You still have That's correct. clinics going around. He has other medical businesses. And then he took the leap of faith and he went into real estate. He started doing multifamily real estate. And then once he mastered that, he took on self-storage. He looked at car washes. He's looking at hotels now. And on top of that, he, he up-levels everyone he comes around with. And what I, what I mean by that, he has 40,000 people on his MFIN network, which is Multifamily Investor Nation. And he's just pouring it into them, education, optimization, techniques, strategies. And all, all the while, he's helping his, his community and charities, including um, uh, there's a lot of churches and um, uh, uh, evangelical schools that he's creating foundations for and helping them invest their money wisely, too. So, Dan... So much to talk about. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate all the all the compliments. It's it's kind of hard you know, listening to somebody else talk about your talk about me, you know, or talking about yourself because uh, I just I just am, am doing what I was put on this earth to do and uh, just feel like it's uh it's it's been a it's been a, it's been a great ride up to this point. Let's get right into it, my 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 friends. Um, I want to talk to Dan about how did you go from being a chiropractor and transition into the being this like super uber entrepreneur well you know it's 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 one of those things where you know if you ask my parents you know i've been an entrepreneur ever since i was a little kid i mean negotiating with the doctor when i came out to of which butt cheek they were going to slap you know that kind of thing um but uh i've always you know in, in growing up i always remember you know mowing lawns and and then and, and selling uh and selling you know things door to door and even doing i had my own uh, pressure cleaning business that i that i had for a while and went and pressure cleaning you know gas stations and things like that um, so I've just always had that kind of entrepreneur 
entrepreneur, entrepreneur niche about me or, or itch about me. And, uh, and so, you know, when I first got out of chiropractic school, started my own, you know, clinic right out of the bat, right out of the gate. And, uh, what I found though is, is that, you know, in, in working in the clinics day to day, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a good chiropractor. I did, I had, I did great, had great quality treatment and, you know, did a lot of great things, but I found that I was kind of stuck in a business or in a job really, because I could only see so many patients an hour and I was capping my income. And I really was kind of stuck, if you will, because even if I wanted to go on vacation, I couldn't go on vacation because there was staff and overhead and utilities and things like that, that I had to continue to pay regardless as to whether or not I was actually in the clinic or not seeing patients. And so quickly learned early on that I needed to kind of scale by hiring other doctors to work underneath me. So I didn't have to do it. Then we quickly, a few years later, uh, you know, integrated into medicine, started hiring on a med- the medical side to our clinics, hiring medical doctors, nurse practitioners, and having a, a non-surgical orthopedic approach to a lot of different types of, of treatments. And, uh, and then about five or six years ago, ended up completely cutting out the chiropractic services from our, from our, our offerings to be able to better service people from a non-surgical orthopedic perspective. And so right now we have four non-surgical orthopedic sports medicine clinics doing a lot of prolotherapy, PRP and stem cell treatments for orthopedic conditions. And, uh, and so it's been, it's been quite fun doing that, but then that so also let me, the tax let, problem me, too. <laughs> let me just jump in there. You are, you you're the architect of these four clinics, but you don't physically work in them. Is that correct? That's correct. So now you're the owner and not the operator. Correct. What was the mindset to create that? And why is it so few few doctors can transition there? Yeah, well, I, I will say that it was a mindset shift that I had to have. And I distinctly remember when I stepped out of the full-time operations, the week before I was actually at an event and the person speaking at that event was talking about how you need to become the general in your business. And for me, I was like, well, I am the general, you know, I'm going <laughs> in, I do this, I do that. And I'm putting fires out and stuff like that. And he's like, but that's not being the general in the business. That's like, you know, being the, the, I don't know who's under the general, somebody else, uh, the sub general, if you will. Um, <laughs> I don't know all the, the lieutenant. Yeah. It's like being the lieutenant, right? You're still going in and you're doing the day-to-day stuff. And, and for me, I had to like, literally that night I went back to the hotel I was just thinking about this and I was like, you know, I've never actually thought about how to literally take myself out of the day-to-day operations to be able to go and focus on something completely different. And so at that time, I, I was on a Friday night at that event. I made the decision. I was there with a friend of mine. We talked to like two or three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, you know, I actually think I have a plan and a process in place. Cause at the time I had a really good like COO kind of a, 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 a chief operating officer and he was doing really, really well. And I was like, you know what? I, I think that he has the qualities to be able to be the CEO. I still want to be the president. I still want to see the numbers. I still want to see the KPIs. I still want to manage like the vision and the, the overall kind of you know direction and trajectory of the clinics, but I didn't want to go in every day. So that next Monday, I had a conversation with my COO at the time and told him what my plans were about transitioning out and him becoming the CEO. And he looked at me and was like, well, I'm pretty much doing everything as it is anyway. And I was like, well, <laughs> what am I doing in there? You know? So literally yeah. the next day on that Tuesday, we did a, a live, a, tr- a live video feed to all of our team uh, and, and announced that I was leaving. Of course, some of them were like, 
are you dying? Is something wrong? Are you sick? You're like, I was like, no, 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 I'm not, nothing's Where wrong. Where do we send the me. flowers? <laughs> exactly. So uh, it was definitely a mindset yeah. shift for that, that time. And I want to weigh in there guys. So uh, to the, all the listeners out there, notice he delegated. He, he's still involved in the sense that there's oversight. He delegated. He did not abdicate, meaning uh, turn a blind eye and hope and pray that his business is going to do well. He still has a dashboard as the founder and president, and he's looking at the dials and he's making sure the airline is stable or the, the, the plane is stable and is flying at altitude. So that's awesome. So let's now get into, all right, I have a tax problem. What the F do I do now? And how do I now translate that into what we have here, which is the passive investing empire? Yeah. So at the time, you know, we were, of course, we're all of our, our four clinics are, are, are 100% debt free. So it's a great problem to have because, you know, you have a lot of cash flow coming in. But when you have a lot of cash flow coming in, guess what? You pay a lot of money to the government and taxes. And so we were doing that not just on a yearly basis, but on a on a quarterly basis, getting that, that quarterly hit. You got to write that six figure check every single quarter. And it was really, you know, irking me because we were spending so much time and energy and effort with those clinics and we had built them up to a certain point. And so being able to step away from the clinics and focus on real estate really is what was the ticket for us that allowed us to be able to have the ability to, ha to have our investments with these with the real estate investments to have depreciation to be able to offset some of our income. And so for us, we, we, we were able to do, I was able to step away full time, but my CEO, my new CEO now run the ship. And basically what I do from an oversight perspective is uh, on, a, on a monthly basis, I have a meeting. I have I call it my monthly corporate directors meeting with my team, and there's usually about seven to eight of us that are in a room, and each one of them has a different responsibility what they're going to be presenting on, and uh, we present on various KPIs and various you know things that are happening in the clinics. And you know, right now we're actually oddly enough expanding into two different more locations, and I'm not really doing anything at all, right? Is it's I'm having my team do it, but they're coming to the meeting with some with some ideas and thoughts, and I can still have that be that vision behind it. Because eventually, you know, those clinics will get to the point where we will want to exit them. But we want to be able to grow them to a certain point that we'll also will have a nice, you know, equity multiple when we do decide to sell them. Um, but I have my team running that on a day-to-day -day basis. And that meeting usually lasts about an hour and a half to two hours a month. So for about an hour and a half to two hours a month, I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions and, and helping my team be able to learn how I think so they can start to make some decisions for me on my behalf. And then um, that allows me to focus on the real estate side of things, which allows us to be able to have the ability to invest in real estate to get the depreciation to be able to offset to be able to offset the income that we're making uh, from the clinics. Guys, uh, it, it, I don't know if you caught what he just said. Essentially, he's creating his clinics in such a way that it's a sellable asset. Many people have clinics. A lot of you are listening. You guys are doctors and professionals and specialists. You have something, but if you take you out, it, everything falls apart. You have to take yourself out and build everything in such a way that it's a self-contained system. It's a business system, if you will, and it's generating cash flow and it, it, it sustains without you. That is highly valuable because then someone will want to buy that. So that's, that's a kudos to you for, for creating it's a, that. It's what I like to call a dancing bear business, right? Because <laughs> the bear, as long as he's dancing, you're making money. But the moment the bear stops dancing, the things start to go awry. But if you can build a business from the very beginning at, for, with the potential for an exit, 
then your, your mind starts to think differently about how you could put in systems and procedures and processes so that you can have a successful exit on the back end. And I'm sure there's a lot of physicians that maybe are working for you know hospitals or other types of, of facilities. You don't own your own yet. Maybe you're thinking about it. Well, even if you're in this thinking stage, you should be putting yourself into the mindset of thinking towards an exit, even from the very beginning when you're putting things together. And, and one of the things that you know I always talk about is uh, when you're trying to name a business, don't put your name on it. <laughs> especially, if you're, especially if you're thinking about exiting it, right? You want to make sure that you name it something where that if somebody else comes over and they take it over, they can take it over and it doesn't have to worry about having your name on it or your reputation or anything like that. Try to name it something completely different that is, that is a separate brand from your particular name. Plus, if everybody's coming there to see you because it's, oh, it's, it's Dr. Hanford's clinic, right? Then they're going to expect to see me. Where if it's somebody else, if it's a, not somebody else's name, but if it's a a, a, a non-named brand name, then they're they're not expecting to see you know Doctor Hanford when they come in to see the office. That's awesome, man. And, and let's talk about naming. Why did you choose PassiveInvesting.com? I mean, there's a lot of reasons I can already see, but uh, tell me what was your thought process there, and, and that- the fact that you went after that that domain, which I'm sure wasn't cheap. Yeah, as I say, why not? You know, <laughs> uh, well, actually, so I was actually at a conference, and it's a, it's actually, a, I don't even a conference. It was a, it was a mastermind with a lot of other entrepreneurs, and one of the guys that runs that is a big domain guru. Like he just buys domains. He's got like three or four thousand domains that he's acquired over the years. He just holds them, sits on them, and eventually somebody comes in and wants to buy them from him, right? And I didn't buy this domain from him, but he was doing a talk on what he does with domains and how he does this keyword research and figuring out like what are the best domains out there. And so I just took some of his strategies and started to try to find some of my own like names and domains that are in this space. And I came across passiveinvesting.com and it was available. I reached out to the group and made him an offer and we, we bought the domain. And, you know, before we had passiveinvesting.com, the, the name of the group was actually twofold because there was, there's, so we have three managing partners. One of them was myself and I had a company called hanfordcapital.com. And then I have uh, Danny Randazzo when he had one called randazzocapital.com. <laughs> And so when we came together, we of course wanted to merge the brands somehow. And, you know, Hanford Randazzo Capital just was too much, if you will. And uh, a lot of people, even if I would tell them Hanford Capital, they'd spell it multiple ways. Like they'd spell it without the D in the middle. So it'd be H-A-N-F-O-R-D instead of H-A-N-D-F-O-R-D. And, you know, the word capital could be spelled two different words, even though it's really only spelled one way when we're talking about like money capital. But it could be, there's a lot of things that can be um, um, misinterpreted, if you will. But when you go onto a website or a podcast or a news article and you talk about passiveinvesting.com, you don't have to worry about trying to like spell it out or anything like that. And, you know, we, one of the reasons why we chose to name it more uh, broadly, like passiveinvesting.com versus multifamilypassiveinvesting.com or self-storagepassiveinvesting.com is because we wanted to leave ourselves open to be able to offer alternative asset classes as we continue to grow the company uh, in these different verticals. Like you mentioned early on that, you know, our our majority of our holdings is is in multifamily, um, but we also have now self-storage, hotels and express car washes that are in our our portfolio and, uh, and it's been great because we've had a lot we've had a lot of investors that have that want to diversify outside of just multifamily and it's been good to be able to provide them those different options that will allow them to provide some of that uh, diversification for them guys uh, passinvesting.com is one of the um, the creme de la creme operators in this country they're on track with their private equity company to really 
you know, provide a solution for the common investor versus the big smart money, the institutional money, all that kind of thing. And I love the fact that he still caters to the, the individual investor. And, and one of the most powerful things Dan does is educate. Tell me about why that's a, a core principle in what you do. Well, I had a mentor years ago and uh, he actually, one of the things he told me was he said, give away your best stuff, right? Provide as much value as you can and as much value as possible because the more value you provide, the more you'll get in return, right? And so we are, our, our kind of educational platform from the multifamily side is called the Multifamily Investor Nation. You know, we have our YouTube channel, we have our weekly webinars, we have our, 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 our annual event that we have going on right now um, called the MFIN Con. And uh, so there's, there's a lot of different things that we're doing. And we provide a lot of this for free, right? The only thing we charge for really is our, our in-person stuff that we do. Like if we have an, an intensive in our office here, or if we do an event uh, like the one we're having in Charlotte coming up in a few weeks, but um, for the most part, we're providing a lot of free educational content. And as you know, Vic, we don't, we don't, we don't hold back, right? Like we're going to give away everything as possible. We're not going to say, Hey, you know, only if you pay us X amount of dollars, we're going to give you, give you this. You know, we're like, if you want it, we're going to give it to you. Right. And, uh, and so that's provided a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, I'm going to say goodwill, if you will, in the industry of people knowing that we just try to give and give and give. And if somebody has questions for us, we're going to provide it. And uh, we, what we get in return is we get a lot of high level entrepreneurs, business owners, physicians, attorneys, and other syndicators that invest with us as well because of our kind of credibility in the community. And one of the side effects of the educational side of things for us was that, you know, our reputation was becoming greater and greater in the community with other syndicators where somebody would reach out to Vic and say, Hey, Vic, what do you think about this group? And he's like, I haven't heard anything but good things about this group. Right. And, uh, and so we've had a lot of good people uh, that have come to us and have talked about how they've got references from people. Some people have never even invested with us before and talked about how good we are. Right. And, and it's because we taught them how to get to where they are today. And we've, we've provided a huge impact. And so that's, that, that's the, the primary reason why we do that is to be able to, to provide as much information as possible to be able to get that, of course, in return with investors wanting to invest with us as well. You know, uh, Dan, um, I, I like to ask, what's your why? Where, what's driving you? And like, you know, what's keeping the afterburners on in the jet, if you will? Yeah. So I would say it's uh it's it's kind of a hard question that I've you know obviously the easy answer is is my family, right? Like I have I have I'm married, I have four children and I don't want to say it lightly that I'm not doing this for my family. Like I am doing a lot of this for my family and my future generations and the future generations that come come past me, but uh you know one of my mentors early on asked me that very same question, you know, like how much more money could you make to be able to get to where you want to be? Right. And I sat back and I was like, honestly, like there's not really a, 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 there's not going to be a, a huge amount of money that can make a big difference in my current lifestyle. There, will there be some things that I could do differently? Sure, there would be. But um, even an extra, an extra, you know, 20 or 30,000 a month wasn't going to change a lot of the things that I was doing at that time. And so he, he told me, he said, well, you need to shift your, your mindset and shift your focus to 
thinking about something that's bigger and better and greater than you that you can actually put a lot of your time and energy effort into. And that's that's the foundation that I yeah, you mentioned early on. We have a foundation that I started about three years ago called the called Fortify Foundation. Um, you can find more information at fortifyfoundation.com. But the goal of that foundation is to come alongside small to medium-sized schools, Christian schools, and teach them about how to do what we do in the investing side of things by starting a foundation, or not really starting a foundation, but using our foundation to have an endowment for their particular school to be able to grow it, to be able to create some sustainability for their schools. One of the largest sovereign wealth funds in the country, or even in the world, is the Mormon church. And it's because they started an endowment 50, 60, 70 years ago and started putting money away and putting money away. And now their portfolio, I think it's like like seven or eight billion that's socked away inside of an endowment. And so that's what we're trying to do with some of these small to mid-sized schools to be able to create some sustainability is to create an endowment for these types of organizations. And and I think you know, like you said, like sometimes the drive diminishes as you keep achieving different levels of success. But when you have something so powerful like that, you're essentially allowing these small schools to play at the same level as a Yale, as 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 a Mormon church, as these billion dollar endowments. And it's almost like you're you're leveling the playing field because right now all other other kind of institutions have unfair advantage. And now you're letting these 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 entities thrive. So that's awesome. Powerful. Uh powerful cause. And I love that. You know, a lot of people have uh, marked you as, oh, oh the, the next thing he's going to do, he's going to be, he's done. Oh, he's gotten to car washes. Oh man, watch, he's going to go down. And, <laughs> and, and your, your demise has been predicted by, you know, not necessarily people are saying it in a negative way. It's just like, oh, how much more can he do? Can you tell them how you've, like the audience really, how are you uh, disproving the fact that you can be good at multiple things is, is what really the crux of the question. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll bring it back to when I first expanded the clinics from one location to two locations, I made a big mistake. And that mistake has taught me a lot of about, and I, I'm doing a lot of things now because of that mistake that I made. And what I did when I went, when I expanded from one location to the second location, I really wanted that second location to succeed, right? Because I didn't want that to be a failure. And so I took my core team from my primary clinic and I transplanted them into the first, into the second location. And I figured everything would be fine. And at the time, I was only looking at the numbers on a quarterly basis because when I had one clinic and I was in there every day, I only really need to look at the numbers on a quarterly basis because I was there. Kind of, I can see the volume. I can see the flow. I can see the checks coming in and the cash and the, all that was great, right? But when I opened up to the second location, that's when it really struck me that I had made a mistake because when I was looking at the quarterly financials a quarter later, I noticed that the first clinic was suffering. And it's because I took my core focus, my core team off of that primary location, and I put it on the second location. Now, the second location was profitable within the first like 30 days, like 30 to 60 days was profitable. But I now started losing money. You and essentially cannibalized location. one clinic for another. Exactly. 
And so from that, from that mistake, of course, we made a lot of different changes and it actually took us a whole year to open up the third location because it, a lot of the different lessons that we had to learn from that first opening of that second location. And, uh, but then we opened up our third one and our fourth one with a matter of like three months, right? Because we learned how to make sure that we hired, hired a team to focus on that next clinic before we even had the next clinic and the same thing. And that's what we're doing right now in our, you know, uh, our private equity real estate company at passiveinvesting.com is we have the core multifamily team. And now that we've branched out into self-storage, we have our core self-storage team. We're doing the same thing in the hotel space and the express car wash space because I personally can't do everything all at the same time, right? But I have to rely on my team, right? So right now, you know, uh, this time last year, I think we might've had like, you know, 16, 17 full-time people. And right now we have over, over 40 full-time people that are working directly with passiveinvesting.com. And we have a great solid team. And I always sit back sometimes and just look at our team, just go, I'm not sure how we got such a great quality team, but we do. We have a great quality team and I'm just really excited about them. And, you know, we've actually had very few people even leave us because we take care of our people, right? We want to make sure we have people that will stay with us for the long term and they want to ride this way with us. And, uh, and so for me, I would say the, the best way to kind of scale and grow like that is to be able to find good quality team members. And in the beginning, when I started to do the delegation and hiring people, I had the kind of, you know, mentality that I just needed to hire the, the, the cheapest employee as possible. Right. And I don't know, and I'm sure you other people that are listening have done that before where you tried to hire the cheapest people and you didn't get the results you were looking for. Right. You had to hire you had to, that person either just didn't work out or they just, just were, were always a drag. And then you, you got rid of them and hired somebody else and tried to do it again. And you've had that same problem. But what I have found is that if you find a good quality team and you pay them well and you treat them well, they're going to want to be loyal to you. They're going to want to stay close to you. They're going to want to take care of what you have built, right? And so that's where our goal is, is to be able to build a great quality team that can support um, um, our, our, our different business units and the different asset classes. And as we continue to grow and scale, we'll continue to hire on more good quality people to be able to scale out into you know, other different types of asset classes. Dan, I love what you were saying about business units. So essentially, uh, the pearls I got, um, uh, and I'm talking to the audience here, really is just he he's figured out from his previous uh, uh, issue with the clinic is hey, let's fig- when I'm when I'm going into a new field, let's say let's say he wants to go into uh, I don't know nail salons, find the best nail salon person in the country, maybe who's done maybe multiple get that team and literally come in, but he knows the general business principles because he's been a successful entrepreneur. He has general business principles that, that, that work, but uh, domain expertise, he brings that on. And then he implements that, the tried and true formula, boom. Uh, and, and that's how he gets started when whatever domain he, he enters. And so if he's creating a whole sustainable team, then all he has to do is deal with the head of the heads of these teams. Find Look at the KPIs, look at the metrics like he's doing. And, and with general business principles, plus hiring, right? Hiring sounds like another superpower that Dan has. It's hiring the right people, paying them what they're worth, or potentially even more worth than what they're worth, incentivizing them. And then obviously feedback, making sure that they're getting, um, they're doing what he, what, what they need to be doing. So, and that, and that kind of goes back Victor, to what you were saying earlier on of, you know, uh, leadership by abdication, right? That's actually not a very good way to lead. And then there's the opposite of that, which is leadership by micromanaging. And you can't do it by, by either way, very effectively. There's got to be some sort of happy medium in the middle there, which will allow you to become that leader that you really need to be in your business. 
That's awesome, man. Um, as, as we wrap up here, um, uh, before I tell, uh, tell them how to find out more about you and all, all the amazing events you're putting on, um, any last tips for the medical entrepreneur, any, any words of wisdom as people are looking to transition and as, as people are sick and tired of the bureaucracy of medicine, as they're trying to become their own man or woman, if you will, and maybe strike out on their own and use their medical skill sets, either complementary or even pivot out of medicine. Yeah. A couple of things I would mention is, 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 is number one, you know, whenever you're looking to branch out and either start your own business or level up your own, you know, medical business that you have, you've already started, it is a very good idea to hire a mentor to be able to help you get where you want to go faster, whether it be in business or marketing or, you know, finance or real estate or, or wherever it may be, you need to spend those dollars to be able to get the advice from somebody that has already been down that path. The biggest thing is, is making sure you find the right person that has already been down that path and can help you get to where you want to go faster. That's what I've done along the way as well as I've always had a mentor or a lot of times multiple mentors that have helped me get to where I am today. You can't rely on just one. I mean, it's just like, I always kind of go back to like Tiger Woods, right? You know, he's got, he's got a, a hitting coach. He's got a chipping coach. He's got a driver coach. We got a coach for multiple different types of shots. Right. <laughs> um, and, and it's just one game. And, uh, and so, so you got to, you want to make sure you have multiple people that you can rely on. And then the second kind of word of advice I would, I would mention is, is that even if you have your own business, I would suggest that you always keep your eyes and ears open for other opportunities for you to be able to create alternative streams of income. So whether it be investing passively with a group like Mike ours or with Vikrams, you know, or being able to go in and, and start another business somewhere else that maybe you are just the, the, the president of and kind of the visionary behind, but you're not having to go in and do the day-to-day stuff. Go do that and create those alternative income streams because there's going to be a point in time and Vikram will vouch for this. There's going to be a point in time where your clinic income might be down for a month or two or three or a, a longer <laughs> period of time. And you, it's always great to have those alternative income streams to help create some stability in your income as you continue to grow. Boom, guys. I hope you guys t- took notes, took lessons. That's powerful advice. I, I've, I've followed it myself. I'm, I'm sure Dan has most of the top entrepreneurs I know have done that. So, you know, uh, his uh, his company, my company, it doesn't matter. But you know, finding some alternative resources, and then realize that the average millionaire out there now has nine streams of income. So if you're relying on one W two or maybe W two and something else on the side, that may not be enough. And and um, as, as how many do you have, Vikram? How many do you have? <laughs> Ballpark? How many do you have? You know, probably like four or five. Easy. You got more than that because you got all these properties that are producing income too. So each one of those properties are different ones. So I I would say I'm probably close to about maybe 70 to 80. Oh, I I guess if I look at uh, assets like that, yeah, maybe probably in the thirties and forties. Yeah. 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 Um, Guys, uh, I'm going to, I want Dan to tell where we can find out more about him. And and I've had the pleasure of speaking at one of his conferences and and the one that's coming up, the MFI and con. So I want him to definitely talk about that. We have three amazing guests that are going to be there. So I want him to share that and also talk about his company, Passive Investing. 
Yeah. So the, the event that's coming up is going to be in Charlotte, June 23rd, 24th and 25th. And we have three celebrity speakers. We have Shaquille O'Neal. Of course, everybody knows who he is. He's going to be there. I'm going to have the pleasure of interviewing him on stage and picking his brain about a lot of the investing that he does. He also invests uh, heavily inside of multifamily. So we're going to talk about that. And then uh, Barbara Corcoran, the real estate mogul out of New York. So we're going to have her there speaking. And then uh, we're also going to have Jocko Link. He's the author of the the, uh, the two two books that are really popular. He's I think he's written more than that, but two popular books: Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership. So he's going to be there, and then of course Vikram's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Our teams are going to be there. It's supposed to be a great a lot of going to have a lot of fun there. Going to have 500 plus in, uh, investors that are going to be there. 60 other speakers that are going to be there speaking, and it's all around multifamily investing and how to do that from an active perspective or a passive perspective, depending on which perspective you want to see. There's going to be content for, for both sides of it. And so you can go to mfincon.com to find out more information. That's That stands for Multifamily Investor Nation Conference or Convention. So mfincon.com and uh, find more information there. And you have a promo code too that you can give out too. Do you remember that one is, Vikram? Yeah, we'll drop it in the, in the, in the show notes below. I think okay. it's either Viking or Vikram, uh, one of the two. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. And that'll give you you usually have a couple hundred dollars off the tickets, be able to come yeah. to come and you know rub your shoulders with us, shake our hands, meet us, greet us. Love to be able to do that. And if you want more information about our group, I bet you've probably already guessed it, but you can go to <laughs> passiveinvesting.com and find out more information. Brilliant marketer, guys. Brilliant marketer. That's awesome. Dan, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for adding so much value. Thank you for sharing your, your origin, your life story. I love you know where you're going and where you've been. And uh, it's always been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys, stay phenomenal. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.